Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. Reporter Sarah Mises Tan has been thinking a lot about her dad lately. He's an Asian immigrant who came to the United States from Singapore as a kid. And growing up, her dad experienced racism and always encouraged her to stand up to it. Which is why after the death of George Floyd and the protests for black lives, Sarah knew the racism her dad experienced and the racism black people experience are connected struggles. This was something that he'd been fighting for his entire life and this was finally happening. I think that in a lot of ways, his beliefs and views that I've seen my whole life with him really very much align with what's happening with Black Lives Matter. But Asian Americans are approaching their role in the Black Lives Matter movement from a lot of different places as immigrants, refugees, first-generation college students, and Asian Americans who've been here for generations. It's a group with its own history of racism in the United States. Today, how the Black Lives Matter movement to dismantle white supremacy is a relatable fight. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. My dad came to New York in the mid-60s with his family. Um, they moved to Queens, um, and he was about six when they came, and they've lived on the East Coast ever since. Sarah Mises Tan is a reporter with Capital Public Radio covering race and communities of color in Sacramento. And she's been exploring the different ways from which Asian Americans are approaching the Black Lives Matter movement. I think that he just grew up in the 60s during a time that was very formative in his life. I think that 1960s America in Queens, in New York, I think he felt a lot of shame in feeling Asian American and I think that he's spent a good part of his life trying not to feel ashamed of being an Asian American and unliving a lot of the experiences with racism that he experienced when he was in middle school and high school. I very much grew up in the tradition of watching him stand up against what he believed was racism against Asian people um, and watching him get rebuffed by the system again and again. We grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood in New York, um, and that was very formative for me to see just where it is that Asians stood in this discourse and to see that a lot of people didn't really want to hear what he had to say. Let's talk a little bit about how you approach this, because the the word Asian is so broad 
it doesn't do the different ethnicities justice, you know, within the Asian race. So how did you personally approach this question, this topic? Yeah, I decided to go back to my dad, um, who I think has been a source of a lot of the forming of my ideas in Asian American in this country. So I went back to him and kind of asked him, I had been surprised that despite his stance on race um, and what I have seen as his stance on race, that he was actually feeling somewhat ambivalent about supporting the Black Lives Matter movement also. What were those conversations like? They were really interesting. What are the feelings that you feel right now that are keeping you from supporting the Black Lives Matter movement right now? He mentions a lot of times in which he had personal interactions that would be racist with African-Americans. It just makes me feel awful. It, it, it still does. It still hurts, just like, um, I'm sure racism hurts African-Americans when they experience it, and, and it hurts me too. And it's not just a hurt, it's the deep kind of pain that I experience. I also think that it was somewhat difficult for him to take those experiences and also see that there was a more systemic reason behind why Asian Americans should be supporting Black Lives Matter. Um, so the sense that I'm getting is, you know, you generally feel like there's a certain amount of racism perpetuated by African Americans against Asian people. Is that the biggest um, point that's kind of your hurdle in terms of getting behind the movement? Yes, that is. That, that most definitely is. I, I think that has to be addressed, and it has to be addressed, you know, just with just as with the racism against African Americans has lasted too long, and it has to be addressed now. Why should it be more of a part of the of the Black Lives Matter uh, demonstrations when I've I've been completely overlooked, basically? He sees race relations as something that is very personal and one on one, and those are the memories that stick with him. Sarah, so you spoke with some professors about the complicated positions from which Asian Americans are approaching the Black Lives Matter movement. What did they have to say about the conversations Asian Americans are having with their parents right now, like the ones you've been having with your dad? Yeah, I think overall my dad's biggest concern with the Black Lives Matter movement is that he worried that change would only happen for black people out of it. He worried that the experiences that Asian Americans had with race and continue to have with race and racism were just going to continue to be perpetuated and we would see equality for black people, but people would continue to ignore Asian Americans and whatever particular interactions we have with the system also. Um, but I think that after speaking with a lot of these professors, I think that that is a pessimistic way to look at it. You can face racism from African Americans as an Asian American, but you could still be Black Lives Matter supporting. Both can be equally true. I spoke with Russell Jong at SF State. He's a professor there and the head of the Asian American Studies Department. And he mentioned the difficulty in Asian Americans distinguishing the difference between personal interactions with individual African American people and the types of interactions that come out of there versus a larger system that's in place. And so I think we have to distinguish between individual and systemic discrimination, and both the Black Lives Matter movement and our Stop API Hate movement is trying to dismantle the systemic structures that are sort of the foundation of racism. He felt that if you were doing work that was trying to dismantle the system of white supremacy at all, that that was something that was in support of this. And I thought that that really shifted the way that I could see my dad participating in it. 
my recommendation to Asian Americans is to, to link the racial profiling that Asian Americans are experiencing now during the pandemic to how other groups are being racially profiled. We're not trying to play the uh, um, oppression Olympics, but we're trying to develop empathy that this racial profiling process occurs to a lot of groups and hurts a lot of groups. And what we need to do is work together to stop that racial profiling. There's a long history of racism against Asian people in this country. And there's also the model minority myth, as you mentioned, that says Asians as a group have overcome oppression to be successful, which we know is a harmful generalization. How do you think that that plays into some people's understanding of Asian and Black relationships? I actually think Nancy kind of touches on this. I think most folks in our communities are still pro-law enforcement. Nancy Zhang with Hmong Innovating Politics, she touches on the fact that a lot of Hmong think that once they join law enforcement, they've kind of reached the top, the peak, they've assimilated fully. And she said, but they don't understand that they're not white either. They're Asian. Like these people don't care about them either. And I think there's that reckoning that maybe a lot of Asian people have to get their heads around. It, it really feeds into like the model minority that, you know, you know, we, like Asians, you know, are, you know, what is our good, you know, they, they're good listeners, they don't cause any trouble. Um, and they're complicit, right, in, 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 in the death of George Floyd. Tu Tao is the police officer in Minneapolis who's seen in aiding Derek Chauvin as Chauvin kneels for eight minutes and 46 seconds on the neck of George Floyd. And it's a really, the whole scene is distressing. I think as an Asian person watching this video, you immediately notice that he's Asian and you kind of have a moment where you say, oh no, I'm not that. I don't want to be that. And then you wonder, are you that? Charges have now been filed against all four police officers involved in George Floyd's death. The charge against Derek We do have a history of also being policed by the cops. She mentioned that the Hmong population is one that doesn't necessarily fall within the model minority stereotype for Asians. Um, they're mostly refugees. They don't necessarily come from any particular country. And a lot of them have inhabited the very same neighborhoods that other low-income minorities have inhabited. In Sacramento here, they share a neighborhood where um, Stefan Clark, who was um, Sacramento's most recent police killing, they share that neighborhood, which is Meadowview. It's in South Sacramento. And it's almost very evenly split between African-Americans, Latinos, and Asians, mostly Hmong. You know, after I was born in 1990, like I just remember cop, cops harassing my, my brothers, right, a lot. Um, my cousin, um, and like I've had relatives who've gone through the system. Um, and so this is a fight for everyone. Like it's, we're not immune to it. Like this is just like, we're not immune to any of the things that are happening to, you know, the black community. She felt that if Hmong Americans could accept that they had experienced very similar amounts of police brutality or treatment at the hands of police as African-Americans, they could see that their struggles were actually very similar. Going back to the conversation with your dad, how did you respond to that sentiment your dad expressed that the movement would only help Black Americans? I did mention the point to him that I felt very much like this was something that he'd been fighting for his entire life and this was finally happening. 
in a lot of ways, his beliefs and views my, that I've seen my whole life with him really very much align with what's happening with Black Lives Matter. He sat with that and he thought about it. And I think he's really struggling with where to find where he can personally make a contribution. Will you be supporting it or are you going to ignore it? Or I, I will support it. Of course, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, that they're doing something about police brutality. And then we're trying to see, looking at all the mechanisms as to, as to what's been happening. I mean, you know, it's true. I mean, just recently, someone got shot again in, in Atlanta. Um, and it seems to me this is just too endemic. And I think the conversations uh, have started. And that's, I'm happy about that because it's going to benefit everybody. Did anybody who you talked to talk about moments in our history, including, I'm, I'm sure, uh, moments in your dad's history when Asian activists and Black activists worked together on certain causes? I mean, I'm thinking of 50 years ago when Asian and, and Black groups at San Francisco State worked on behalf of ethnic studies courses and getting more Black people to be part of the college. But did they say anything about that? Yeah, yeah. Russell's talked a lot about that and how that movement really did require community leaders to come forward and basically put their individual differences aside and say, we experience racism at the hands of white people. And so we are going to stand together and fight that. Initiated by the Black Student Union, but joined in by the Third World Liberation Front. They all work together, um, recognizing that we're all part of the third world and that our liberation as individual ethnic and racial groups is dependent on the co-liberation of other groups and with the liberation of African-Americans. We feel that we are united and we want you to know that we are supporting the demands of the third world and the black students at this time. That's such a powerful moment. I think it's a moment that I hope a lot of Asian people can refer back to when they think about joining together with Black Lives Matter. Bringing it back to your dad, when you had your second conversation with your dad, how did what you learn then fit into that new understanding or conversation that you had with him? I think I was maybe more open to hearing about the instances of race that he personally felt, um, both because I think that it's important to acknowledge those instances and to also tie those instances into how we can get behind the movement. I think initially I was really afraid to hear about the instances with racism that he was going to mention. I think that is a feeling that a lot of Asian Americans feel when they ask their parents about this and their parents say, well, I've experienced racism from black people too. I think we're really afraid to push a whole lot further because we want to just scream at them. It's just one black person. Um, I think Russell really encouraged me to be more accepting of hearing those stories and also accepting that that can be part of their path towards activism in its own way. Sarah says she plans to have more conversations with her dad about the Black Lives Matter movement. And her dad plans to reach out to people in his community, his black friends, his friends at his Buddhist temple, and leaders at black churches where he lives. And Sarah says he's doing this because he knows the Black Lives Matter movement is important, and he wants to contribute. Sarah Mises Tan is a reporter with Capital Public Radio covering race and communities of color in Sacramento. This episode was produced by Marisol Medina Cadena and Erica Cruz Cabara. Our editor is Alan Montesilio. 
I'm Devin Kadayama. That's it from the Bay. Talk to you next time. A young correctional officer. He said it was the most dangerous prison in California. Forced to make a choice. Fulfill his oath or back his fellow officers. Recognize the badge of my office. I'm Suki Lewis. From KQED Podcasts comes On Our Watch Season 2, New Folsom. A story about who gets hurt when the system that promises to keep us safe is bent on protecting itself. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Tyler Foggett. Join me and my colleagues as we go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds in politics for insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Make sure you're following The Political Scene, available now wherever you get your podcasts.